What's up guys, Rick here with something a little bit different for this week. As we all know, the Outlaw Tour or the Golden State Tour is really the main focus of golf going on right now. DraftKings has huge prize pools and contests for this. You can bet on it at almost any book that you look at. And Arizona and these mini tours are really the epicenter of the golfing world right now. So I was able to secure interviews with three of the players that we just saw at the GCU Championship, usually residing on the Corn Ferry Tour. So I've got Brent Grant, Dylan Wu, and KK Limbasut coming up. Uh, KK just won the GCU Championship last week. We chat for a few minutes which eat with each of them talk about their game, their career, uh, maybe some improvements they want to make to their respective tours. So uh, sit back and relax. It's audio from this point out. So if you're watching on the YouTube channel, I'm just going to throw the logo up. It's only audio moving forward. I hope you guys enjoy. All right, I'd like to welcome in Brent Grant, who, uh, Brent, you've been very gracious with your time today. I really appreciate it, man. <laughs> No, of course. No, it's all good, man. I really appreciate you having me on. So for, for those who have, I, depending on when this all drops, uh, Brent also joined us on the First Cut podcast on the CBS Sports uh, Podcasting Network. So this has been really cool to get a, a, couple, of, a couple of cracks at him. Uh, so, so Brent, just for those of uh, listeners who are, who are new to you, who are new to following, whether it's Corn Ferry Tour, whether it is now Outlaw Tour, Golden State Tour, can you just kind of talk us through your resume? Because from what I understand, you started playing golf fairly later in life, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure that uh, most people know that uh, I started when I was about 12 or 13. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I played baseball mostly growing up until then and, and uh, kind of got a late start, so not much of a, a junior golf resume, uh, not much of a college resume either, um, just, a, just a few amateur things. And then, uh, and then uh, somehow I, I made my way to being a professional. <laughs> I, I love it. Well, you, you ended up finishing uh, with a flurry in the final round, I always want to call it Sunday, but it was not Sunday. It was uh, Thursday. Is it weird to kind of play in the middle of the of the week like that? Honestly, uh, we started the Corn Ferry Tour season uh, in the Bahamas this year, and I think uh, our tournaments were uh, in the middle of the week there too. So you know, we obviously uh, I've kind of already gone through <laughs> uh, the awkward stage of that. I got you. Yeah, you're, you're used to it now. So eight under in rounds three to finish 19 under par for the tournament. Two shots back of KK Limbasut, uh, who I've been practicing his pronunciation. I think I'm doing pretty well there. Um, what we talked about on the first cut pod is that a lot of these events uh, tend to be shootouts. And that's and that's not uh, that's also typical for the Corn Ferry Tour as well, um, which in our world, in my world, Brent, that equates to a lot of fantasy points uh, because the more birdies guy that you make, the more Eagles that you make, uh, the more you return to your uh, fantasy owners. Now you had mentioned that um, there is just a, you know, a little bit of conversation about DraftKings uh, in your world. How, how much are you guys aware of this? Like I'll, I'll give you an example. Do you know what your odds to, uh, to win this tournament last week were? Uh, I believe they were 25 to one, uh, but that wasn't my own research. That was somebody telling me. 
<laughs> they were. They were 25 to 1. Uh, so spot on. Now, has anyone, this is what I always get concerned about. Has anyone tweeted at you yet or sent you any messages on Instagram saying, hey, I, I bet you this week, good luck. I hope they haven't been too negative or anything. You know, honestly, man, uh, part of part of what I love about being under the radar is that uh, is that not too many people uh, even know I exist. Um, I mean, even the Outlaw Tour had to make their own special uh, little uh, nameplate out I of uh, saw, you I know, saw handwriting that. that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's it's kind of fun. But uh, you know, I mean, a couple of, a couple of people told me that uh, that they had me as as part of their team or whatever it was, and and uh, so you know. I, a couple of friends said that uh, I made them a little bit of cash, but uh, I, I always appreciate the faith. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I know what I can do, and so it's kind of cool that uh, that people uh, feel like they want to put their hard-earned money on that. And um, I, I take it as a compliment, and I've been fortunate enough not to have a huge, um, you know, negative uh, return on, on – or actually, I haven't had any negative return – on, on what happened this last week, which is, uh, which is really nice. I love it. Um, you know, you kind of mentioned the fact that you, you have faith in yourself and this is, uh, obviously something that we hear a lot from all athletes, right? You know, um, uh, quarterbacks who think they're the best quarterback in the league. A lot of golfers think they are, they can and sh- almost should win every tournament that they play. When, when you tee it up, do you think you're the best guy out there? I really agree. That might be the first time I've ever been asked that question. Um, honestly, you know, um, it's it's never really been about uh, the other guy uh, for me. Um, I know uh, the kind of work that I put into it. Um, I know um, the the mental processes behind uh, what what gets me uh, to the top of the leaderboard. Um, but uh, I mean, honestly. You know, I mean, sure, you know, when I'm, when I'm out there, you know, strutting my stuff and, and uh, you know, I've, I've got the, I've got the swagger of a, of a, of a, of a champion, I guess is what I've been told. But uh, I mean, it, it comes off like I, like I think I'm, I'm, you know, the greatest player of all time, but uh, quite honestly, I just try to go out there and, and, uh, and beat the course. That's, that's cool. I mean, it's not, and it's not certainly not a negative, right? I mean, now with the Michael Jordan documentary and all that stuff, and uh, that guy was 100% confident he was the best player in the world and he told us it and he showed us it. So it's not necessarily a negative to have uh, that swag, swag, Brent, but are there any of your peers, um, whether it is, you know, guys that you played with this week, guys that you see regularly on the corn Ferry tour that you're super impressed with their game? Um, you know, there's actually a guy, uh, you know, his name is Matt, Matt Picanzo. Um, he's been, he's been up in Canada and I think he's played a few, few tour events as well. And, and, uh, he's dominated the, uh, the, uh, the mini tour, uh, for a long time. Um, you know, that's one guy that stands out to me as somebody that's, that's, that's really got the game to take it to the next level. But, uh, I'd say that, um, you know, I was, uh, I'm really impressed by John Oda. John, John's uh, yeah. a good buddy of mine. I grew up playing with him. Um, you know, John doesn't hit it very far. Um, you know, he's, he's shorter and, and weighs less than I do. And, and, and you know, he works really hard on, on every single part of his game. And, and the things that he's been able to do, um, even on the PGA Tour level, um, is, has been absolutely incredible. And, and I can't wait to see, um, you know, what happens for him next. 
That's, that's really cool. I, I, I like that. Um, one of the things that we talk about regularly when it comes to, yeah, trying to find guys to bet or trying to find guys to put in our fantasy lineup is we look at uh, majorly two things, uh, how a player is playing recently and if they've played well at that course before. And there's kind of two different camps of this, Brent, where some people say, you know, you could be playing really, really poorly. And if you show up at a course that fits your eye, uh, everything can click. I'm not sure I'm in that camp, but is that true? Can, can you be, you know, struggling with your game and then you show up at a place that maybe it's got, I don't know, 12 dog leg rights and it really seems to fit your eye and all of a sudden things are, are back on track? Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I definitely, I definitely 100% agree with that. I mean, it, it's, it's obviously, um, you know, when you look at the statistics, um, you know, which, which are flying around endlessly nowadays, yeah. um, you know, it, it's hard to really pinpoint something like that, you know, when, when there are so many variables that are involved in that. But I mean, a perfect example, and I can only speak for myself, but, but uh, you know, uh, you know, I missed the cut in, in Florida this year. Um, and then, uh, took a week off and then, and then came right back in, in Mexico and, and I played well, you know, and, and it, it, it wasn't because, um, you know, I had necessarily done any work. I had actually spent the week in Vegas at a buddy's wedding, um, the week prior to Mexico. So it wasn't like I was out there grinding. Um, I just, the, the course kind of fit my eye and, and I was fortunate enough to finish the way I did, but I mean, even Tiger's in the same way. I mean, it, you know, he'll go to a course that that he likes and he'll dominate. And that's why he only plays in certain tournaments that he does. Which makes, right. Yeah. You go to the place you've won eight times. That seems to make a lot of, a lot of sense for a guy like that. Exactly. Um, now when, when you're trying to find something, so a, another common argument or conversation we have on our end in the media and, you know, we're not touching sticks. We have no idea what's going on out there. Um, when you, we always say, he found something or it looks like Brent Grant found something, you know, he shoots a 63 in the final round or he was firing darts uh, with his irons. He found something he can carry that over into the next round. So I guess my question is, can you find something like that? Whether it's a swing thought, whether it is a specific type of shot, and can you take that from week to week? Or is it something that, you know, sometimes it's, hey, I can keep it going for six or eight holes, uh, and then I got to try to find it again next week? Talk, talk me through, you know, some of the things that you can kind of keep going in terms of positive momentum. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, think that, uh, I think that obviously everybody, uh, you know, in what they do tries to find a certain feeling or, or phrase uh, or perspective that, that – that has yielded success before um, and they try to find it again. Um, unfortunately in golf, uh, you know, it's a very finicky game, just like life. Um, things don't always go the way you think they will just because they feel, smell, look, uh, and sound the same. Um, you know, we step on golf courses, you know, every single day and, and we will play a whole, even if it has the same conditions, we could play a whole completely differently. Uh, completely different just based off of how you feel, which, uh, you know, considering how, how many things go into the feeling of something uh, in the human body, it's, it's hard to pinpoint uh, and say, you know, this is exactly what it was, um, you know, but I mean, I think short term, uh, to be more specific, short term, you can definitely find something, um, 
you know, I think the better players, uh, you know, and, and even the greats will tell you that, that they won uh, or they did well without their, without their best stuff. Um, and I think that, that, uh, that, that, um, that matters a lot. Of course, again, it's hard to put a statistic on that um, because if a player tells you I, I won with my C plus or B minus game, which we've heard Rory and Tiger and all those guys say that, um, it's hard to put that into words, but uh, into numbers um, because they won. Right. <laughs> but, uh, true. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 definitely. Uh, you know, I don't think I've ever been able to find something. Uh, that's lasted a long time uh, in my professional career. I've done it in my amateur career, but uh, that was against the same competition. So, and I've just kind of started the corn fairy tour. So it's kind of hard to tell. You mentioned kind of walking on a course and feeling something, uh, which kind of threw a light bulb up in my, in my head about a, another conversation that I seem to have almost, almost weekly, which is kind of uh, the types of grasses that are out there on tours mm-hmm. and you being a guy who seemingly has been all over, right. Born in, born in Florida. I think you went to college in, in Hawaii. Now you're residing in, in Marietta, California. You've kind of seen all of it. And, and we hear guys, Oh, you know what, when I, when I get to bent grass, it's going to be great. Or, you know, those POA greens mm-hmm. in the afternoon really start to bobble. Um, is there a grass type for you that you're most comfortable on? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, I've said that a few times, but uh, you know, it's it's adapting to changing conditions is something that uh, that I have been fortunate enough to be raised in. Uh, you know, with with what my dad uh, did in the Navy, it, it was kind of um, you know kind of bred into me that that uh, you had to make sure um, that you weren't focused on. Um, you know, the changes and just trying to adapt to them, um, the best to overcome them. And, uh, now obviously experience trumps all, right? I mean, if you, if you've never been on Bermuda greens and you see the ball moving up the hill, uh, you're going to think that there's some sort of voodoo magic going on. <laughs> and unless somebody tells you that, Oh yeah, it's actually the grain of the green. Um, you know, you're going to be lost and you're going to think they're the worst greens in the world. Um, and then when it comes to, you know, Bent or Poe or Zoysia or Kukuya or, you know, all kinds of stuff that arrive, you know, that we have and, and you know, it, it's all experience. You know, you, you, the short game is different, the way the, ba- the, way the bounces are, um, the way the ball rolls, the way the ball comes off of the club is all different. And so I think it's just, it's strictly experience. And, and for me, um, you know, I feel really, really comfortable uh, when the grass is really, really tight, whether that's rye or bent or Bermuda, it doesn't really matter for me. Um, so I, I'd say that, uh, and then for the greens, um, I mean, I've been putting on Poe for three years and, and, and I've got those down and I'd say that's probably some of my favorite, more favorite stuff, um, because I seem to not putt as great on bent for some reason, but then again, I don't necessarily have a ton of experience on bent grass, so. Yeah, Kakuya is a uh, a bad word in in my household uh, because that stuff just <laughs> eats eats the club up, makes it really difficult for me. But um, I want to I want to start to wrap here on a, on a couple of uh, lighter notes. So Brent, what do you? I, I assume you play a lot of golf, but what do you like to do for fun? For fun, um, and you know, honestly, it's uh, it's 
to get out um, and, and go do, you know, all the things that I grew up doing, you know, rock climbing and, and bodyboarding and, and, and go to the beach and all that stuff, uh, you know, when, when extreme, more extreme sports tend to, to result in injury. Um, yeah. And my sponsors and my camp uh, probably wouldn't appreciate that too much. <laughs> Uh, so I try to stay away from that stuff, but, uh, you know, and so if I can't do that, I just, I just try to keep it simple. You know, uh, you know, if I do get to go to the beach, that's great. Uh, if I do get a good glass of wine with some good company, um, then, then I'm happy. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty simple guy. So it's, it's not too complicated for me. Love it. How, how'd you like using, uh, uh, using the carts this week on the outlaw tour? Oh, fantastic. <laughs> you know, we, we, we were all by ourselves and, you know, in threesomes and, and in three carts. And, and thankfully, you know, Jesse Mueller over there at DCU, you know, hooked that up for us. And, and you know, it was great. I mean, the, the pace of play, you know, I hadn't played a tournament like that, I don't think, ever. Um, and, you know, it's not like it'll be, it'll happen, you know, anytime soon. I don't even think it's uh, Scottsdale Open, it'll happen. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it, it was uh, it was refreshing to just be able to play off in the flow and and not really have to worry about waiting uh, on every shot like we do on the tour. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge proponent of let these guys wear shorts, give them uh, give them golf carts, let them use range finders. Like you guys are getting the exact number anyway, you might as well do it quickly. Like anything like that, I'm all in for. So I'm happy to hear your uh, your golf cart take as well. <laughs> Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely way more fun, for sure. Awesome. Brent, well, you are going to tee it up next at that Scottsdale Open. You mentioned it, which is in talk at Talking Stick, I believe. And we're going to see, I, th- yeah, I think Joel Damon's in the field, Streelman. I don't know if Pat Perez is going to end up playing, but he's on the board over there. So that's the next time we're going to see you, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, 11th to the 14th over there at Talking Stick. Um, and I'm super pumped to, to compete against uh, – guys that have that have won and and uh and are competing right now on the pj tour it's gonna be a lot of fun awesome brent thank you so much for joining me now twice today really appreciate it best of luck of course thanks so much man All right, let's welcome in uh, Dylan Wu. Uh, Dylan, uh, you've been very gracious with your time today. You've recorded a couple of podcasts with us. So first off, welcome and thank you again. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. So um, we, we kind of covered on the first cut pod on the CBS Sports Podcasting Network. We kind of covered a range of topics. I'm not going to ask you the same things over here. Uh, we're going to have a little bit more fun. So, uh, Dylan, do you know what your world ranking is right now? I, I actually do. Um, okay. I think I'm... <laughs> the, one, the, only one, the only reason I've been like looking at it, at least this year on the Corn Fair, is... Um, Originally, if you had, you had to be in the top 500 to be um, to qualify for sectionals of U.S. Open qualifying, so like you just skip the local qualifying. Um, and ever since the first couple of Corn Fairy events, I've kind of realized I've just been watching it. Um, I think I'm ranked 305 in the, in the world right now. Yeah, I, I have you at 304, so I'll, I'll even improve it. I'll improve it by one notch. I was, I was going to ask how often you check it, but I guess it makes sense that yeah, if, if there is a, a checkpoint or a, a marker that you need to make sure you're in, you're probably pretty aware of it. Yeah, I think the one thing I've kind of learned, like before when you're an amateur in golf, um, you kind of look at your amateur ranking, and now I understand what you need to do to improve your, your actual professional ranking. 
Um, but no, it's been, it's getting closer up there, which I'm pretty happy about. I love it. Yeah. I think one of the, one of the big questions that a lot of people have in terms of world golf rankings, they don't understand that it's like a rolling counting uh, type situation. So when, you know, you don't play in a week and someone could, you could move up for example, or someone takes over the world number one without actually playing. So a lot of misconceptions with the, the world golf ranking. So I'm glad, glad you're on it, but I assumed you probably were. <laughs> yeah. Um, so economics degree at Northwestern. Uh, also, I believe your teammate, uh, Sam Triplett, who also played in the Golden State Tour event last week or that finished up yesterday. Is it nice to have kind of some peers and some teammates out on these on these tours with you? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think if you looked at the field um, in the Golden State Tour event, especially with the guys at the top, like all of us, at least who live here in Arizona, are good friends, practice, practice with them a lot. Um, I mean, I can, I can name a few people like, KK, who won. Yeah. I mean, we roomed together in the Corn Ferry event in Mexico. I play with the Paul brothers a lot. I mean, there's every once you in the mini tour lifestyle. I mean, even on the Corn Ferry and and on the developmental tours, like it's kind of a teammate partnership bond where you just you're all kind of rooting for each other to to get to the PJ Tour and get to the next level. Um, so it's nice to have like Sam. I have I was teammates with him all four years. We lived together for three years. He lives here. He was kind of the, he was part of the reason, I mean, having some golfers, um, I knew, um, after, after college is kind of the reason I moved to Arizona just cause it was either Arizona or Florida really for golf and knew a little more people here, like the dry heat a little better, but no, the camaraderie is really good on this, um, around in, in Arizona golf and in mini tour golf in general. I love it. Um, what would you be doing if you weren't a professional golfer? What would I be doing? <laughs> um, I mean, there's things I would, I wish I would want to be doing. Like my girlfriend and I are really big foodies. Um, we just love food. Like I literally, I literally only work out so I can eat. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I need to um, no, I would love, I mean, I mean, if I had one job to do the rest of my life, I would love to be like a food critic. Like I think my dream later on some, somehow is if I could own a restaurant or something. Um, but I think if I was being realistic, if I wasn't playing golf, um, I'd probably want to work in the financial world. Um, that's kind of why I went to, wanted to go to a good academic school in, in college. Um, Northwestern got an economics degree, um, kind of saw when I was in high school, saw the, the big relationship with, with golf in the business world and, and how golf plays a key world, um, a key role in that just with developing relationships and, and how much relationships get done and business deals get done on the golf course, um, and using it as a tool if I ever need to go, um, into the professional world, but I did a couple internships, um, with Northern trust in a small private wealth management firm. So I think if I wasn't playing golf, I'd probably be working in finance and either wealth management. Um, yeah, probably in private wealth management and, and using my, my golf skills to my advantage and, and trying to do something where I could still golf a lot. Yeah. Having business meetings on the golf course and being the ringer, I imagine, uh, would go a long way in business or at least for the companies that I've worked for. <laughs> oh, oh, for sure. I mean, I've played with, I mean, on, in the pro-ams and stuff like that, I've played in the last two years or, or more. You give one person, one guy who's say a CEO or plays an important role in their company. If you give them like a small tip on the golf course, they're, they're leaping for joy. So no, it's definitely, <laughs> I mean, people say, I mean, you hate to say it, but it's kind of who you know and, and building relationships um, that really help in the world. 
Yeah, for, for sure. Um, so I want to turn our attention a little bit to the, the GCU championship from, uh, I want to keep saying last week because I'm, I'm, my brain is trained that these tournaments end on Sunday. Uh, but I, so I always say last week, but I should say like yesterday or last event, uh, <laughs> T five for you in Phoenix. Now, from what I see in these generally mini tour events, and I think the corn Ferry tour, uh, kind of has this same type of reputation is, these are shootouts, man. I, I mean, the winning score, KK posted 21 under in three rounds. There's not many places yeah. that you can go out and shoot a 68 in round two and you're losing ground on the field. Talk to me about what it takes to win something like this. Yeah, I think uh, when, when you come out of college, you don't really realize professional golf until you get to the PGA Tour isn't as perfect as you seem, as it seems. Like, in college golf, you get to play great courses, hard courses. And say, if you shoot 70 every round in college, you'll be a first-team All-American. You'll be, like, top 10 in the country. Yeah. And if you shoot 70 on the PGA Tour, you'll, you'll make every cut, basically. Right. But the reality is that if the best courses across the country aren't hosting PGA Tour events, they probably want to host the best college players. Um, they don't really want to host mini tour events or uh, corn fair events or even other professional events so the reality is that we're professional golf until you get to the pj tour you're you're not really playing as many hard courses as uh, as you think you would when you're playing in college um but you're not going to play courses that they play on the pj tour so the courses are shorter the courses are more prone to making birdies so that's kind of the reality when you turn pro and if you're not playing in pj tour events right away you kind of get in the reality of like okay 68 is not really good anymore i mean one one thing to really um show how good you have to play or how low you have to shoot is just the reality of Monday qualifying. I mean, yeah. Monday qualifying for a PGA Tour event or Corn Ferry event, you're going to have to shoot 63, 64. You could shoot 65 on a hard day. Maybe it's windy and you, you miss it. I mean, it's just, the, it's just the reality that you have to go low. And I think professional golf, until you get to the PGA Tour, really teaches you to keep the gas on the pedal. I mean, you never... You can, you're always trying to focus on trying to find a way to shape one more shot and go even lower. Like just try to go as low as possible, basically, just because you are playing course, especially here in Arizona, the mini tour events, you're usually playing in good condition. Ball's going far right now because it's a hundred degrees. Um, the greens are probably soft because they're watering because it's hot outside. So, I mean, those are all those conditions um, are perfect for perfect for scoring and perfect for pros to eat it up when you're playing courses that are maybe more wedges, Driving is not hitting the fairway isn't that big of um, uh, a premium versus if you play on the PGA Tour you're hitting the rough you're playing firm greens like shooting making par is um, making par in a mini tour event is not good um, so that's kind of just the reality of the situation is that we're playing a little easier courses but I think you're also seeing the fact that like any other sport the the gap between all levels of, of professionals is getting narrower so. Yeah. Uh, the best college players, I mean, the best junior golfers, the best college players, once they turn pro, you can, you've seen them have an effect on the, on the PJ tour. You see like Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, Matt Wolf, all those guys that guys that come straight out of college and, and win on the PJ tour. It's just the preparation, the skill level, the mental prep, the mental focus um, is so much better nowadays. And you get, you get trained at an early age now. So when you do get, um, when you do turn pro, you're, 
guys play without fear and you're, they're better prepared. So I think that shows that when you, you can have a guy that, I mean, a guy that wins a mini tour event, I mean, if you shoot 21 under, you don't really see if the PJ tour event was there for three days, the winning score maybe might be 23 under. It's not going to be that much lower. Um, and that's just the reality of the situation is that golf's getting better at every level, but we're playing a little easier courses. So you, you do have to keep the gas on the pedal. You mentioned the, the razor thin margins, which is something I, I kind of think about all the time. You know, what's the difference between the 100th player on the PGA tour and the 30th on the corn Ferry tour. And you, you hit the nail on the head, which is something we actually, we interviewed Colin Morikawa a couple of weeks ago and, and kind of, asked him about this like how are these college guys so ready all the time it seems like the the younger players are getting so much better I think Colin had said um you you know he he like knew a lot of a lot of the guys who were already on tour he was kind of like friendly with them he kind of knew what to expect I'm a big believer that a lot of it is is technology and 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 coaching Dylan you know guys have access to launch monitors uh at earlier ages they know their numbers it's it's it feels like a much easier comparison to make when it's kind of like ball speed to ball speed type of thing. Where, where do you lie into yeah. why, why these young guys yourself included are so good and so ready when they come out of college? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with Colin. Like when you see people that you've played with in junior golf or all your life succeed, it definitely helps a lot. So seeing guys, maybe a couple of years older than him, I think a few guys, maybe like Sam Burns, Joaquin Neiman, our guys similar to Colin's age or like yeah. my age too. Like if you, once you see somebody have success, Cameron champ, I mean, you, you've played with them before you beat them before, you know, you know, you know that your game is good enough through that, just through that comparison. I mean, one thing with professional golf is that yes, we're, we're getting better, um, have better technology. I mean, with TrackMan, with, with fitness training, with everything, but also with mental prep, I mean, mental, um, like psychologists using mental coaches and everything. It, it really helps um, when you're, when you mature a lot and you, it doesn't take you as, as fast to learn um, what you need to do for professional golf. I think the one thing before, I mean, say looking at professional golf 20 years ago, there's maybe one thought on what a swing should look like, what, <laughs> how you should swing a golf ball, how, how, how you should think on the golf course and stuff like that. And now you see guys, I mean, you could go through 15 guys on the PGA Tour and you, they swing a completely different way. All of them swing a different way. And it's kind of, I think people are realizing that all it takes to really get to the PGA Tour is kind of finding the, the right game plan for you and what fits your golf DNA and just improving that and getting it better and just having full confidence and belief in your game and just slowly trying to get that better and better and you'll, you'll eventually make it. You mentioned on the first cut pod uh, kind of how the outlaw tour has really leaned into being the only show in town. And you mentioned the live streaming of some of the featured groups, which I obviously tuned into, of course, uh, <laughs> had to keep an eye on everything. Have you noticed that, I mean, that event yesterday and the previous days had so much attention. I mean, we, we talked about it. You knew your betting odds that it was available to be bet on uh, fantasy sites like DraftKings had, had huge contests for it. Did you like, did you get that vibe? Did you know that going in that basically all of these, you know, golf dweebs on the internet, were going to be tuning in for that event. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the reality is, like, the last couple of weeks is, like, I've learned that, that we're the, basically the only mini tour and the only state that's really running with golf. Like, it's, the coronavirus really hasn't changed much here, other than maybe we ride in separate carts and, <laughs> and public opinion all the time. I mean, that's the only thing that's changed. But, no, it's really cool because we're getting, I mean, not only uh, does it help the players because we're getting exposure, but the tour is getting exposure. And it's helping um, people are realizing they're learning more about the stories of, of pro golfers who are trying to trying to get to the PGA Tour and fulfill their dream. Um, I think it's like the stuff that the Monday Q Info guy on Twitter, um, <laughs> he's, he's blown up in the past couple past year, two years. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like the sim- similar situation where people want something to to watch and to keep entertaining because right now life is really boring. Like, like if I want to, I mean, after I played. I played and finished my round yesterday at GCU. It took three, three and a half hours. And then what am I also going to do the rest of the day here? I mean, I could go practice, but I just finished a tournament. So, I mean, people need some, people like, uh, it's nice to, it's nice to have that much focus um, on a mini tour event. I mean, we're never, we're probably never going to have a time again where people, some random people are betting on the outlaw tour or golden state tour. And it's, it's pretty cool. And it's, it's pretty cool that people are, are wanting to see these live streaming and are, are tuning in and it's it's just a yeah it's a cool it's a cool situation um in in this rough time so i think that's a the positive note for for the golden state and professional golf here in arizona you you kind of mentioned um what i think uh, and I, I don't have to get you on the record for this but like where, where the pga tour has kind of been slow to embrace anything related to betting, anything related to fantasy. But I think the biggest win that comes out of fantasy golf or betting on sports is the knowledge of a lot of these golfers. For example, the the, the PGA Tour, I mean, good or bad, right or wrong, they might only promote the top 10 players in the world. Um, But a lot of fantasy guys who play fantasy golf or guys who bet know a lot of these other names. Sam Burns was a great example. Sam, Sam Burns is like a fantasy darling that if you ask my dad who Sam Burns is, he doesn't know. So I feel like, um, and maybe, and maybe it kind of goes the same way here. This is all about learning the players. Uh, get, you know, when, when, when you guys get to the Corn Ferry, the PGA Tour, we know the stories. We know Max Homa. We know guys who are going to be making runs when they make runs deep in events. To me, it's so much about the knowledge and, and learning about these guys that I feel like is the big, the big thing to embrace here. For sure. I mean, I mean, the one thing, I mean, if I was the PGA Tour, I'd be doing the same thing. I mean, you want to keep advertising the guys who are the best in the world, the top 10 players in the world, the guys that bring fans and that are going to bring the money in. Yeah. Um, but the one, yeah, the one good thing with all these, um, you know, with the betting, I mean, the not necessarily the betting, but the people actually through whatever information or wh- whatever website or whatever um, avenue for people to get the information and, and learn about these players who are, are coming up, whether it's in amateur golf, mini tour golf or corn fairy golf, like people knew, I mean, as a golfer, like, I knew that say Colin Morikawa and Matt Wolf were probably going to succeed and probably going to have a chance to win on the PGA tour. But and guys, you just, you can just look at that based off their amateur resume. I mean, I think that's why you see like the golf channels now broadcast the national championship more. Like you'll see more college go- college golf events being, um, being broadcasted. You see like a program where say college golfers, I mean, the best amateurs 
that graduate from college can get status in the corn ferry and stuff like that. So, I mean, I think it's just, I think people are slowly realizing that like, all right, these guys that are, these new guys that are on the PGA tour succeeding aren't just coming out of nowhere. Like they've been doing this for a while. I mean, like you see Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas, like Justin Thomas won on the corn or played on the corn ferry and gained it through that. And um, I think people are, are, are slowly, at least I think as a golfer, I think it's cool. I think people really like the, I mean, nobody, everybody loves an under underdog story or, or wants to see the pathway of, of how somebody gets to the PGA tour, the journeyman and stuff like that. So I think there's definitely a lot of good going on with, with professional golf where people, there's a lot more, at least the underneath tours, underneath the PG tour are getting a little more exposure, um, which is really just good, good for the game in general. I agree. Okay, Dylan, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll wrap with this. Uh, you mentioned, you know, riding a cart uh, this week at, at, at the GCU championship. I am basically, I, I am the opposite of a traditionalist when it comes to golf. I think we should be giving you guys range finders every week and carts every week and all that good stuff. Wear shorts if you want to. I don't really care. Uh, this is where you get the opportunity to be like tour commissioner for a day. Is there a rule that you would change uh, if you were in charge, is there something specific you can think about that would be top of mind? Um, I'm trying to think. <laughs> and if there was just like similar to like the card thing and stuff like that, I definitely think eventually rangefinders should be allowed in PJ tournaments. I mean, it's only knowledge. I mean, it's only information. Like a launch monitor is basically doing the same thing. I mean, yeah. it's only helping people, helping the caddy and helping the player and it's speeding up play and pace of play is a huge thing on the PJ tour. They've made it like a huge thing. Why don't you just use rangefinders? I mean, yes, it makes, makes caddies their job less, but I mean, they're still going to probably want to do, they want to double. It only helps. It makes you double check. I mean, that's one thing. I mean, you've seen it like developing on developing, but I definitely think hopefully one day we'll be able to use rangefinders just because it's so much easier. And it speeds up play. Like when say if Jordan Spieth, um, at the Open Championship, when he won that year, <laughs> yeah, which had a rangefinder there. I mean, it's cool just to see it. But I mean, if you're actually there in real time, like if I was watching as a fan and just taking this is taking forever, like yeah, what's he, I what's mean, he, what's he yelling at Greller? Just give me a round number, right? Like he's just yeah, trying to find something. I mean, the one thing I think the one good thing is that, um, I mean, I can't really imagine playing golf anymore without patting down spike marks. I'm like playing in the <laughs> afternoon in the last group, and there's spike marks everywhere, like. That is brutal, but also, I mean, shorts is real. It's really nice to wear shorts in practice rounds. I mean, only it's only really bad wearing pants maybe in July, August when you're playing in the Midwest, say like in Omaha, and mm-hmm. that's pretty brutal. But not too bad. I think a lot of players, at least like players I uh, know and stuff like that, they complain about like when you hit a perfect drive in the fairway, balls being in divots and stuff like that. If you you've already made so many changes to, to make the game more fair. Um, I mean, the reality is, like, if you're playing a par four on the PGA Tour and everybody's hitting iron, everybody's going to hit in the same spot. You're probably going to have a chance of being in a divot. I mean, yeah. Should just see. So, I mean, there's small things like that. But I think the range fighter thing is probably something that I would change. I would yeah. definitely want want that. Because, I mean, they're using it in practice rounds. I mean, I mean, and- caddies go out in the morning before they play and shoot shoot the distances. I mean, they're using it, but going around the rules. Yeah, my, my, those are two perfect ones. The, the the range, you guys are getting the numbers anyway. You're getting the exact number anyway. You might as well you might as well speed it up for the range finder. That's that's my opinion. The commentators are using it on TV. 
Yeah. It's like, why would the commentators want to tell the fans and all the audience, like, exact, the exact number, and then the caddy and the player have to do separate work for it? Like, okay, it doesn't really make much sense. It doesn't. Uh, Dylan Wu, uh, we are going to see you next. Uh, Legacy Classic, which is, I guess, Golden State Tour. Golden State Tour. And Outlaw Tour. They're, like, combined now, right? Yeah. Like, running. Okay. Uh, And then in two weeks, we will see you at that Scottsdale Open at Talking Stick. Is that correct? Yep. I love it. Dylan Wu, thank you so much for coming on. Best of luck the rest of the way. No, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. All right, let's welcome him in. Winner of the GCU Championship, it's KK Limbasut. Hey, KK. Hey, how are you? Good. We uh, so full full disclosure. KK has been uh, incredibly uh, gracious with his time today. So we just spoke on another podcast, and we're going right back at it again. So uh, you're you're yep. great, KK. Much appreciated, man. Yep. Thank you. No problem. Um, all right. So here's one thing I want to get into. Um, we we kind of chatted about, you know the outlaw tour this week being a really big focus in the world of golf. Um, and, and you were mentioning like, you know, the, the live streaming, like we're, how, how aware were you that so many new people who may have never watched the outlaw tour before, or never watched mini tours before were watching you guys play this week? You know, I think it's a really good experience for the players because, you know, most of the mini tours event don't get, you know, coverage or like news out there. So I think it's really, really good that, you know, guys on tours like this get recognized because, you know, these guys have worked so hard and, you know, they have all, everyone has the same goal of making PGA tour and they're actually are very good at golf. Um, so it's a very um, good way to get exposure out for these guys and even the tour themselves. Now, were you aware that uh, you could you we could we could bet on you, KK? We could make a bet for you to win the golf tournament. Were you aware of that? Yeah, I think I I, I saw like betting odds on players, yeah, like a couple of weeks ago, and I think that's you know kind of fun to look at. Honestly, you know, going to events like what are my odds for this week? <laughs> so I, I have to tell you, um, I did bet you at 12 to one. So if we ever cross paths, uh, I owe you a beer. So thank you. Thank you very much. KK. <laughs> oh, it, it, it got cut off a little bit. Oh, I was saying I did. Uh, I did get a chance to bet you at 12 to one. Oh. So I, if okay. we ever cross paths, I will buy you a beer. I owe you that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, so here's what I want to ask you about because um, you know, you've, you've been playing a bit on the corn Ferry tour. I, I know you've teed it up. Uh, I believe at the farmer's insurance on the PGA. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. This past year news. Yeah. T- just tell us like the difference, you know what I mean? So what, what's the big difference between the players on the PGA tour versus the corn Ferry tour, or even just like, I assume the crowds are a big difference, right? I mean, I, I go to, I mm-hmm. go to that event at Torrey Pines. I, I live close by. Yep. They get huge crowds. How does that compare to a corn Ferry tour event? I mean, from what I experienced, I, I mean, I only play one PGA tour and two corn Ferry events, but you know, the crowds 
at the farmer is just unbelievable. Like how many people showed up even for Thursday and Friday. I, I didn't make the cut, so I didn't see the weekends. But even for Thursday and Friday, it was an amazing experience to see how many people go out there and watch uh, golfers. Um, but yeah, like to compare the two tours, I mean, Corn Ferry probably don't get as much spectators, but um, the the level of golf on the Corn Ferry tour is still really, really good. Like guys on that tour can easily be on the PGA tour. It just you know when. When are they going to play well and all that kind of stuff will be a factor. Yeah, we, we talk about that all the time. Um, you know, the, the margin between these guys is so small. I, I mean, it's, it's so close. It's just a matter of, yeah, g- yeah, getting a little lucky here or a little unlucky or something like that. But the, the, the overall level of play, especially on both the PGA Tour and the Corn Ferry Tour, is unbelievably good. And, and you seem to agree with that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you could you could play the whole year like very well, and then you know, kind of struggle in the playoffs or like the postseason, and then you didn't get your PGA Tour card. But you know, your skill level still doesn't change. You you still have the game to play on a PGA Tour, but you know, you you could have a bad three stretch of weeks during the playoffs. That's why you didn't get your tour card or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. Now, do you, uh, I know I get nervous a lot playing golf and I would get nervous if even one single person was watching me play. Do you, do you mm-hmm. still get nervous playing or is, is it just kind of like, this is your job and you're there to work? Oh, um, I still get really nervous, you know, <laughs> teeing off almost every tournament, that first tee shot, you know, but, um, but playing at farmers this past uh, January, was a really cool experience because it's my first PGA tour and, you know, I never played with that many people watching me. And it was, it was cool to see how I can handle myself with a crowd for the first time. And I know like first five to six holes, I was super nervous. <laughs> um, just worrying if I miss the fairway, am I going to hit someone on the car path <laughs> or something like that? Um, but yeah, I, I was really impressed how I handled myself at Farmers. And I think I, I can play out there on the PGA Tour. I, I love it. Now, do, uh, the, the best thing I think about professional golf and having a lot of fans there is I would be nervous, but if, if you hit it way to the right, like they find your ball for you. Like you don't even have to go find your ball, right? That's the best part. That, that's very true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As long, as long as you don't hit anybody in the head. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, so, you know, the, the outlaw tour, what we saw you play you know, the GCU championship this week, uh, you win at 21 under par. You've been playing really, really well coming into this. Was there a moment that you said, Hey, I think I can really win this thing. Uh, I know you only won by one shot, but was there a, mm-hmm. a moment where you knew your game was good enough to win that? Um, I think after shooting the course record on the first day, I mean, def- definitely gave me uh, a lot of confidence going to that tournament or the last two days. Um, but I think it was the the front nine of the last day, you know, like uh, Jimmy Gunn and Brendan Jelly was making birdies left and right on the first, <laughs> like, five or six holes. But, like, I think the birdie on hole two for me, it's like a long part three. 
you know, gave me a lot of confidence going to that day. And like, you know, I, I definitely can uh, win this week if I just play my game and just keep sticking to my game plan and hopefully putts will, putts will drop. Um, but yeah, I think the front nine of that final round was a, was a big, was big thing to me. Gave me a lot of confidence going on back nine, yeah. So uh, the, for for the vast majority of uh, those listening or, or or hearing about this, you know, we've we might have only seen you play on Periscope this week. So tell us about your game, KK. What's the best part of your game? What's the worst part of your game? Uh, I mean, it was all really good this week, but uh, you know, over yeah. over time, what what kind of things do you work on in your game? Yeah, um, you know, I work a lot on my uh, wedges my short irons because I think that's where I um, can really score. And like on a mini tour like this, you know, we don't play on courses that long. So we have a lot of wedges and short irons into like part fours. Um, but yeah, I think that's the strongest part of my game, hitting wedges and uh, short game around the greens. Um, but I know like in order to play on a big tour, like I probably have to hit a little longer gain more swing speed so mm. i've been working a lot with my coach um to gain speed, speed but also you know keep it in play at the same time <laughs> yeah you you, you kind of need both of those things um yeah uh, now uh, you got to ride in a golf cart this week that's that that yep. seems like a that seems like a big win <laughs> yeah it's always nice always nice to be in a golf cart especially it was a hundred degrees out there <laughs> this past week. Uh, that's, that's nice. Now, KK, you told us uh, on the first cut podcast that you played golf today, the day after you won your golf tournament and uh, you won't take a, uh, you'll take your day off on Saturday. So on Saturday, uh, you know, what, what do you like to do for fun? What are you going to do? <laughs> Honestly, it's just mostly just, you know, play my PS4 more watch netflix movies and you know take it easy for a day um what what, ga what games are you playing i play call of duty I, there you go yeah yeah That's... i play a lot of my uh teammates from cow and a couple guys here in arizona you know it's funny because when i told you earlier we had we had Colin Morikawa on the uh, on the pod a couple of weeks ago, and he said the same thing. He's playing yeah. call playing Call of Duty with his Cal teammates or whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I I was the one to convince him to buy PS4. So. <laughs> oh, so you're yeah. you're the one. You're the one that got him into it. Okay. Yeah, I got him into this thing. Uh, that's awesome. Well, now it all, now it all makes sense. Uh, okay. Yeah. KK, well, uh, you're, you're going to continue to, you're going to continue to tee it up. Um, you've got, you've got legacy. I want to call it. Yes. Yeah, a legacy classic next week, probably Scottsdale open in two weeks. And it seems like you're just going to play as much golf as you can until the corn Ferry tour comes back. Yeah, I think so. I think it's the best way for me to learn about my game and where it stands because um, I feel like playing tournaments give me, I guess, sense of what I need to practice on um, and get ready for the corn period to start back up soon. Well, KK, I'm, I'm rooting for you. Thanks for coming on and uh, best of luck next time you tee it up. Yeah, thank you so much. And thanks again for having me.